1: All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and joining me on the show today is Cole Bittler. Now, Cole is an outdoorsman from Virginia. He hunts anything and everything, and he has access to a ton of private land, which is every outdoorsman's dream, but I'm excited to hop on with him, hear all about his outdoor adventures, hear what Virginia has to offer. It's going to be a great episode, so let's jump in. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show and joining me on the show today is Cole Bittler and Cole is from Virginia. He's a big time deer hunter, dove hunter, turkey bear, you name it, he loves to do it. And so... I'm excited to just talk. I love talking with fellow hunters. So Cole, thanks for hopping on with me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward
1: to seeing what we can talk about and stories we can share. Yeah. Uh, why don't you start out by sharing a little bit about yourself? Um, maybe how you got into the outdoors or what your favorite outdoor hobbies are now?
0: Yeah. Um, so I grew up always interested in hunting and, uh, started, tagging along on turkey hunts I was probably eight or nine years old and didn't carry a gun but got dragged around the mountains to at least hear them and that was fun and then got into deer hunting and I actually killed my first deer on my very first deer hunt which was pretty pumped and yeah came down to the final minutes of the day but we got it done and from there it's taken off and something I look forward to every fall and get to share it with friends and family too so that's pretty cool
1: yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, first deer hunt ever. It's yep. like, it's not easy for an experienced person to go out and kill one on their first sit, much less a first time hunter. So that's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, there was a guy that was in our church that took me and my dad out and down to the last light of the day. And we were sitting on a hardwood ridge and a little button buck came up and feeding on some acorns. And I had a buck shot, and that was the end of him. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I have never, I've hunted coyotes with buckshot here. I don't even know. I don't know if you can legally here in Missouri or not. I use a rifle now, but growing up, we use shotguns almost exclusively in Wisconsin, at least like me and my siblings did. Um, but I would shoot Mm -hmm. them with a 20 gauge slug all the time. And now I'm like, dude, I haven't run into anybody who hunts deer with a shotgun. That's the only one I've ever killed with a shotgun.
0: And that's only because that's all I had to use. So, yeah. uh, that was it. And I got a rifle the next year.
1: Nice. So what is, what is hunting like there in Virginia? Cause I have, I don't know that I've ever even been through Virginia before. What, what's the terrain like? What is it like chasing after whitetails there?
0: It's, it's different depending on the part of the state that you're in. Um, so I'm more, uh near the Blue Ridge mountains and Shenandoah national park. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not, but yeah. uh, it's up in the mountains. So it's a pretty good mix. You got ag fields, you got hardwood ridges and things like that. So uh, depending on where they're feeding or what they're feeding on, you can kind of pick your poison. Um, I have friends from college that live closer to the Eastern shore, Richmond area. It's really flat. So for them, it's a lot different than what it looks like for me, and I've never hunted down that way. But um, it's it, they hunt with a lot of shotguns down there. There's a lot of counties because it's so flat. Uh, but where we are, you're either on a hardwood ridge or you're sitting on the edge of a cornfield or soybeans or uh, alfalfa is another another good one if you can catch it early season. Um, had a lot of success in muzzleloader season over alfalfa fields. So.
1: Nice. I, I mean, it sounds, based on how you described it, like kind of a perfect, a perfect blend of habitat for deer between ag yeah. fields and then hardwood ridges. Like, mm-hmm. I, I grew up hunting hardwood hills. I mean, it, I guess you could say there were some ridges mixed in there, but it was like you couldn't see more than 100 yards or like you could catch yeah. a glimpse of something 100 yards away, but odds of having a window to shoot through was slim to none. But I love it. I, yeah. I mean, here in Missouri, I mainly hunt field edges, but I always look forward mm-hmm. to getting back to that spot because when I go there, it's like deer could just be on top of you like that. Typically, oh yeah, where I hunt here in Missouri, I see them coming from 200 yards away first. But yeah, when you're in those thick cover situations, it, it adds a whole new element of adrenaline once you actually catch mm-hmm. movement. Yeah, it's, uh, it's different.
0: I mean, there's cornfields on the farm, and, and you can see them three, four, 500 yards away and sit there and watch them, and then you go to the other side of the farm, and there's a, a mountain that is kind of the edge of the property, and you can sit up there, and it's a listening game, and is it a squirrel or is it a deer, and trying to wait it out. It's pretty fun.
1: Oh, I know that feeling all too well, the whole – I mean, you as a hunter, as you progress as a hunter, I feel like – You get more confident, like, oh, okay, no, that was definitely a squirrel. But I'm still wrong 90% of the time. Or I guess I should say 50% of the time, probably. It's got to be close to half and half where it's like, all right, that one was definitely. I will say there is like the unmistakable when you hear a deer running through the woods, Mm -hmm. you know for sure. But yeah, those little, those tree rats, man, they get me every single year. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been
0: tempted to bring a BB gun and just take them out cause they get on my nerves, but I have yet to
1: do it. Yeah. I, I've thought about doing like a small game tip arrow when I'm out bow hunting. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think you can legally do that here in Missouri, but I'm like every year at the start of archery season, I question why I haven't wiped every squirrel off of the property during squirrel season. Like it, they always bug me it drives me nuts and then they'll sit up in the tree above me and just chatter like i mean i'm guessing it's some type of alert chatter like they saw me move and then they just Mm -hmm. end up there and don't shut up (laughs) yeah so aside from whitetail hunting you had mentioned turkey hunting that you used to tag along um Mm -hmm. turkey hunting is that still something you get out and do yeah
0: um I haven't been very successful at it. Uh, When I was, I don't know, it was 10 or 11, I was carrying a gun. It was the last day of the season Um, and we were hunting public land a lot at this point because I didn't have too many connections or places to hunt, but uh, we got there and shut the truck door and heard a gobble right away. So we hoofed it up to a clear cut and within five or six minutes, there were about six of them gobbling on the roost and, one of them flew down five yards in front of us and one flew down overhead. I just remember my dad telling me, don't move. And then he's telling me shoot, shoot. And I've never even seen a turkey and I choked and we spooked them all. And since then it's been nothing but bad luck. <laughs> so... Oh
1: no. But it's, oh, it's a good
0: reason that. to get out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is for me. I mean, turkey hunting is fun. It just bridges the gap between other seasons but i have been looking forward to it a lot more this off season to get out but like here we've got a the full month of october is shotgun season for turkeys so like you Mm -hmm. can shoot a hen or a tom but i don't have any desire like if there is something else that i can actively hunt like a deer i really don't think i'm ever gonna pick up a shotgun in october to chase after a turkey the only exception i would make to that is maybe if I'm driving past one of my hunting properties and I see turkeys out there, then I might mm-hmm. grab the shotgun and try to put a stock on one. But if I had the option of sitting there with my bow and potentially shooting a turkey or a deer with my bow or just a shotgun, I just visualize it every time. Every time I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to bring the rifle out. Well, I see a coyote that I should have shot that I could have shot <laughs> with the rifle, right? And then if I don't bring the or if I do bring it, I never see him. I feel like that would happen to me with Turkey hunting. I'd go out there specifically to shoot an October bird with my shotgun. And then like the buck of my dreams would walk out and I would have been able to kill it with a bow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's a fall Turkey season here. I don't hunt it much because it overlaps with deer season, but um, there's a bow season that runs pretty much with archery deer season. So you can go either, or if you see one and then, uh there is a firearm season, but it it's got a weird come and go schedule and then it it's out by I think mid-November and comes back for Thanksgiving Day and then I think that's it. So I'm just never bothered with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean if it was if like deer hunting was completely shut down, I would go out and do fall turkey. But yeah. Like I guess I guess here in Missouri, if I if I shoot one buck with my bow. I legally can't shoot another buck until the second portion of archery season. So maybe at Mm -hmm. that point, if I shot an early buck with my bow, then I would go out with the shotgun. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll cross that bridge when we get there.
0: How many bucks are y'all allowed to shoot out there? Cause I think that's another difference in, in Virginia's seasons.
1: We can shoot two here.
0: Okay. Uh, Virginia lets you shoot three. And you get three antlerless tags as well. And then you can buy as many more antlerless tags as you want. So that's pretty nice.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I like, it's very interesting to me. And I, I'm sure somebody's done a study about it. The amount of bucks you can shoot versus like the age structure in a state. Because mm-hmm. I hear about places where you can shoot like three or five bucks. And I'm like, dude, if I shot five bucks a year, like I wouldn't have any bucks left after two years, you know? um yeah but i mean i guess you guys just have enough deer there that the that the fishing game department or whatever your natural resources department is says hey we can we can handle losing three per hunter
0: yeah i'm not sure where they get their data from i'd like to see it but like this year they added a, a late antlerless only season um, so for h- us here, bow season starts the first weekend of October, uh, runs all October, and then black powder starts uh, usually like the last weekend of October or first weekend of November, depending on how the calendar falls. And then firearm season comes in the second weekend of November and runs from there till first weekend of January. And then this year they added a late antlerless on. only season from January season? to March.
1: Did you say firearm mm-hmm. season Like lasts six that weeks? Long? Yeah, that's Holy the longest
0: cow. one we have.
1: That is nuts. Our our archery season goes pretty long. It goes like September fifteenth to January fifteenth. Mm-hmm. But our rifle season here, I think, is only nine days or ten days. Yeah. Gosh, it's, man the the Orange
0: Army I, is strong.
1: <laughs> that's that's unreal. It, it do you guys have like the longest rifle season out of any state, or are there other states that have? Similarly, like seasons
0: i don't know i've never really looked at other states but this year they also added like a whole three-month antlerless only season at the end of the regular season so it's even longer It. i'll be interested to see how it turns out
1: do they just hate deer in your state is that what it is because like that is a lot there's a lot <laughs> i mean that's crazy i yeah. i wouldn't complain here well I say that unless until all the deer started disappearing and then i might but i mean have you have you noticed any type of decline or have numbers and populations seem to stay pretty consistent they seem to stay pretty consistent
0: um and two years ago i killed six and after the sixth one and we process all our own and i was done that was enough for me <laughs> pulling the triggers fun and then the real work begins and i've had enough after a while
1: (laughs) oh yeah i think i think the anticipation of filling your tag is so great for me like because i only have two opportunities at a buck Mm -hmm. here and if it was like hey you can kill 20 bucks i feel like the allure of buck like hunting for a mature buck would change for me you know yeah like i if it was like, oh, there's one and there's one and there's one and there's one and I could just mow them all down, I probably wouldn't be as into it. But like the fact that you have to decide, all right, what am I gonna use my two tags for this year? Like what yeah. do what would I really be happy with? And for some people, that's a button buck or a spike or a fork or whatever. For me, there I just I go off of the deer that I know are out there. So I do a lot of scouting, I put a lot of cameras out and you know, collect data. But this year, there's three, maybe four, depending on what the final one looks like in velvet that I would take. <clears throat> and so unless like a total freak out of nowhere showed up on the property, uh, you know, I, I would never kill all of the bucks on the property because I also like to see them year to year. So
0: yeah, I've never killed more than one, one nice buck in a year just because um, there's they're out there, but you don't see them a ton and I'd rather just leave them there for a little while longer than mow them all down so uh, and i'm fortunate enough the the farm that my in-laws have between what they own and what they rent is like 1100 acres of private land that there's not too much pressure on so there's resident deer that stay there and as long as you don't do anything crazy or they don't do anything crazy and leave they'll come back
1: man that's amazing 1100 acres of private land Mm -hmm. the I'm, I'm very blessed around here to have access to like roughly 300 acres and I absolutely love it. But 1100, that's a whole different ballgame.
0: It's, it's a blessing and a curse because there's just so much and I can only cover so much at one time. So it can be like a needle in a haystack, but then the rut comes around and you kind of know where they're going to be. And that's when it gets fun.
1: So how many, how many people are hunting that property?
0: Um, I'm probably the one that hunts it most consistently. Uh, some of my wife's family, cousins and stuff like that, they'll hunt it some as well, but they don't, they're not there every weekend like I am, but there's probably five to 10 of us.
1: Jeez, man. That's, that's an amazing number. Uh, to have that few people on that size property is pretty sweet. So are you doing, you said you're out there the most hunting. Do you guys do? a lot of like habitat improvement, land management, food plot, that type of stuff, or do you guys kind of leave it and then come in and.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I'll run some cameras just to keep track of what's out there. Uh, but, uh, her dad and her uncles run a, a beef farm on the property. So they're out there day to day and they'll kind of tell me what they see and stuff like that. So I've never done a ton of food plots cause they have so many cornfields and soybeans and, uh, if they got that there, I'm not going to try to compete with it. Put my time and energy in when I just sit on a field that's already planted and, and see what comes out. And the deer are used to coming to it anyway, so it works out.
1: Yeah, that's awesome to have to have a property. I mean, that's bigger than most mature deer's core range. You know, like yeah. there's probably deer that spend the first several years of their life never leaving the property, and so if you have everything they need there's not really a need to make any improvements unless you're really trying to isolate them or lock them down in a, in a specific area for a specific time. Yeah.
0: There's a, I knew a couple of years ago, and I saw this buck one time during bow season, but uh, he was weird, non-typical palmated on one side. One side looked like a club with spikes at the end, just an odd buck. And uh, her cousin ended up killing it on the farm in December And he had a picture on Facebook and somebody commented, they had a trail camera picture of the deer like four or five miles away. Um, And and that buck seemed to range pretty far. And that was, that's the farthest I know of one traveling, but um, I have sheds from a deer that I know have been on the farm for several years now. And two years ago, his sheds would have been like 146 inch deer. So
1: as far as I know,
0: he's still out there.
1: that is, that's one of the most exciting things about deer hunting. When you get those pictures after season, like, mm-hmm. Oh yes, he made it through. He made it through. He made it through. And we're fortunate on the property. I hunt, like I was just out there today. I was putting out another trail camera and just checking on things. And I was talking to my buddy about it. I was like, it's so crazy to be in a position where you obviously can't control everything. You know, a deer could get disease or get, taken out by coyotes or get hit by a car, but most of the deer that we don't shoot are back the same in the same spot the next year, you know, like we do not lose a lot of deer to neighbors because for the most part, there's one person on any side of the property that hunts all of the other directions, North East and West. All of those spots have zero hunting pressure on them. There's only one guy that hunts on the south border of the property. And so it's like, if he doesn't kill it, nobody's going to kill it unless it travels long ways. And we've we've lost a couple like that where it's like two or three or four miles down the river bottom. Somebody kills it and I find out and I'm like, dang, man, he traveled a long way. But it's the rut, man. They'll go wherever the does lead them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the property that
0: Uh, joins the farm on kind of the northeast side as a hunt club Uh, and and so they don't shoot anything small so the deer get get pretty big but they get pretty smart too so it it turns into a game of chess which is adds another element to it
1: yeah that's i haven't had to compete with a hunt club like that before i mean some public land we hunt um out in colorado butts up to a giant private ranch and i mean they had it's a Mm -hmm. full-on outfitter like they've got people out there every day of every season and so that's that's been a challenge but other than that i haven't really had to deal with anything like that on private property that i've hunted
0: yeah i've had a couple interactions with them. they're all pretty cool guys so uh, it works out
1: yeah uh do you do you guys have cameras out right now or have you not put any out yet this year
0: I put them out like a week ago <laughs> behind the, behind the eight ball on that one, but uh, I haven't checked them yet. And at this point, the deer are, you kind of got them patterned and figured out. So I know about where they'll be and I just put the cameras out to see what's out there. So I'll check them here in a couple of weeks and, and go from there, but I haven't looked to see what I got
1: this year. Do you, do you have a specific hit lister at all that, you know, for sure is alive? or are you just waiting at this point to confirm that, that he's made it through?
0: The deer that I
1: have the sheds from,
0: um, uh, based on what my brother-in-law has told me, uh, is still out there. What It sounds like the same deer cause he sees him in the area where the sheds were found. And he said he was already like 18 inches wide back in July. Dang. Um, so if that is the same deer, uh, that would be at the top of the list and he's been there for a couple of years. So that's the only for sure one I know of, but there's always going to be somebody wandering in that will surprise you.
1: And it's exciting. It's exciting to know that the, you know, you've got a big one that's out there and I always have a hard time because obviously if I had a choice and I had two big bucks and I had history with one and not the other, I mean, I would shoot the one that I had history with, right? Like, it's it just seems Mm -hmm. like a better story when you've got multiple encounters with it. The struggle that I have is when a big buck comes in or one that might not be quite as big as your shooter or your hit lister, and he comes Mm -hmm. in and gives you an opportunity and you're just like, man, I'm pretty sure, you know, so-and-so is going to be out here at some point in the next couple days. Should I send an arrow And that's, that's the real struggle for me early season, because like I said, I got to hang the bow up aside from getting, you know, does until after rifle or yeah. Until after rifle season, during rifle season, I could still go out and get a second buck, but you know, yeah the opportunities early season seem to be amazing in comparison to late season where I hunt. Yeah, muzzleloader season here seems to be the best
0: as far as activity and, and daylight activity. Um, last year, opening day of muzzleloader season, there was a property that I ended up losing permission on at the end of the season, but it was kind of a narrow, long property with a field in the front and some woods in the back. And you could just sit on the edge of the field three o'clock in the afternoon. There was a buck chasing a doe and and I thought about it and I was like, eh, I don't know. And now looking back, I kind of wish I had because I can't hunt there anymore. and Nobody else can hunt there anymore. So,
1: oh, well. Dang, I've never really thought about that side of it. I mean, I've always got that fear in the back of my mind that I'm going to lose the hunting property that I've got access to. But I can't even imagine if you pass one up thinking like, oh, man, next year. And then all of a sudden you lose access to that property. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be rough. That'd that be a was tough that... pill to swallow. Oh, well what uh what else do you hunt on that property i mean do you guys keep it primarily whitetail or do you hunt other animals on it as well uh we'll turkey hunt there some um uh, there's a lot of
0: fields so just finding where the turkeys roost and trying to call them across the field or, or stalk them across the field either one um we dove hunt it a lot and i don't goose hunt but there are a ton of there's several ponds and a bunch of geese so uh, there's some folks that'll have layout blinds and, and put some spreads out and try to goose hunt, um, duck hunt as well. But that's about it.
1: Is, is dove hunting pretty big there? I feel like a lot of the YouTube videos I see of big dove hunts that happen are coming from Virginia and West Virginia. I, I don't know if that just like came to mind because I knew you were from there or if that actually rings true and there's a huge dove hunting population there.
0: It's a pretty big thing. Um, I really didn't get into it till last year. I always knew it was the thing, but I took a buddy fishing with me on the farm. And uh, this was back in April. And he was looking at all the doves and was like, can we dove hunt? I'm like, yeah, Trevor, we can dove hunt. It's no big deal. So we got out there opening day. And um, in Virginia, you can, opening day starts at 12. Uh, so you can't hunt till noon. And, and we had a limit, had a three man limit, which is 45 doves uh, by like four o'clock. So that was a pretty fun day.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Dove hunting, for the people who don't dove hunt yet, it is seriously quick action. Like, I, I've i come of oh, yeah. loved dove hunting. I love duck hunting. I love goose hunting. But dove hunting, man, opening day here is so high-paced. There are so many birds around, and they get smart pretty quick. I mean, I feel like mm-hmm. you go from seeing 100% of the birds on day one to, like, 15% day two and then it probably drops to single digits after that. But um, yeah, dove hunting is amazing. All right, guys. So I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers, but that's why we've partnered with the social media platform, go wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now go wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women, just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on go wild, they're actually encouraged And they give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started.
0: Yeah. I wasn't really sure what to expect. And and he told me, he's like, Oh, you'll love it. So we got out there and uh, where we were sitting, they have a, a cattle feed lot and feed feeder steers. And there's a little gravel road and a telephone line above it. And then there's a cornfield and we just sat with our backs on some fence posts against the feed lot. And they'd come over the corn to the line and you just catch them right before they get to the line. And then on the other side of the barn, there were some guys hunting. So we were, just playing ping pong, bouncing doves back and forth all afternoon. It was, it was some pretty hot action.
1: <laughs> That's sweet. I've seen people hunt by those feed lots, and my cousin actually, uh, we, we kept driving past this one dairy farm on the way uh, to, I think it was my mom's in-law's house. Um, anyways, we were driving by, and we kept seeing like hundreds of doves and pigeons that kept kicking up out of this feedlot. And so my cousin's like, dude, I'm stopping there. I'm going to go find the person who owns that and get permission on it. And I'm like, that would be so much fun because the only thing that I've done even close to that is, uh, one of the neighbors to my hunting property, um, he's probably like two miles down the road, but he's got a hayloft, right? So it's just like a roof with no walls. They keep hay. I don't know what the technical Mm -hmm. term is for that, but, um, the doves just pile in there and it's insane. You just sit there. With your back to the hay bales, and there's what makes it even better is there's a four uh, four way fence crossing right in front of it, and so they all just line up mm-hmm. on that on that top strand of wire, and we'll clip mojos on and dove decoys on and just hammer birds. That's by far our best place. As like after opening weekend, we can't we can't seem to hunt public land very well but that spot stays consistent all throughout dove season.
0: Yeah, that uh, that one, the corn field that we hunted last year, they ended up cutting it uh, shortly after season started, and we went out one day after work for an afternoon quick hunt and started walking across the field, and every bit of like four or 500 doves came up out of this field after they cut the corn, and it, the whole field turned black for a second. And then they all flew away, and none came back, and it ruined the afternoon. But seeing that was
1: pretty cool. <laughs> What what a species of doves do you guys have there? Are they just like morning doves? I forget. I have heard the exact species
0: one time. Uh, I don't remember. I just know they all taste good on the grill after you shoot them. So I don't discriminate.
1: <laughs> Dude, dove jalapeno poppers, man. That's like that's where it's my at. Go to snack in August, or sorry, in September after season opens. Yeah. Our season here is September 1st is the opener. Is that same? Ours is,
0: it's September. I think it's third this year. It's always the Saturday before labor day. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I have a, our first baby is due September 1st. So I'm, I'm hoping he stays in the oven a little longer and I get to hunt opening day. Uh, but we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> That's funny. My son was born August 31st. And so That was the one year, the year he was born was the one year I missed Dev opener in a long time. I mean, like 10 years. Yeah. So I'll keep Uh, my fingers crossed for you that it it doesn't, the baby doesn't show up till like the fifth or sixth. I appreciate that.
0: I told her make it through Labor Day, please. That'll get my fix in and then we can have a baby.
1: Yeah, there you go. Priorities, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) that's awesome uh do you do you do any traveling for hunting or do you basically stick close to home
0: uh pretty close to home um I got a buddy that lives a couple counties over um, so I'll go over and hunt with him a little bit but that's still like 45 minutes away nothing major Um, I'd love to travel more especially out west and, and hunt out there but I haven't done that yet
1: is there a specific species you want to go after out there
0: I'd love to hunt elk somewhere in the Rockies. Um, That
1: would be a bucket list thing. Man, you got to look at uh, some of the opportunities close to home for elk hunting. You've got a lot of states right there within probably a couple hours of you that have started opening elk seasons.
0: They've opened one here. Um, Southwest Virginia introduced an elk herd a couple years ago. Um, And I think any of your, your deer tags can apply to an elk if you're in a county that has them. And they had a draw. They had a draw this year um, to to hunt the county where they actually introduced the herd to begin with. Um, of course, I didn't get drawn, but uh, I did enter. That would have been pretty cool. But I know some of the elk that they've introduced have kind of migrated to the surrounding counties, and they're free game if if
1: you're that lucky. Oh my gosh, that would be a trip. I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, I know roughly where the elk population is here in Missouri but if I was sitting in my tree stand and an elk walked through that that'd be heaven on earth for me I mean yeah I can't imagine a ton of people elk hunt from a tree stand but if it was like hey if you see one you can shoot it because there's not actually regulations or your deer tag is good for an elk as well oh man I might have to come check out Virginia and see what it's all about. <laughs> come on. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. You guys have a, you guys have a pretty significant bear population there too, don't you?
0: Yeah. That's uh that's another big thing. I haven't gotten into it. Uh, but I don't know what bear hunting's like out where you are, but around here, 99% of people hunt them with dogs. Um, oh, okay. And right now it's actually what they call training season. So, uh, you can kind of get your dogs exercised and uh, but it's it's a pretty regular occurrence on the weekends during hunt season to see all the trucks with dog boxes pulled into the little country stores getting lunch and telling all kinds of stories and everybody's got four or five dogs on the back of their truck so it's uh it's definitely a culture of its own that i haven't gotten into but there's a, a pretty big draw for that in the area for
1: sure listen if you if you do decide to go out and try that forewarning everybody that I know that starts to hunt with dogs, that becomes number one passion like it's insane the houndsman community is so pumped up about running dogs, and I can see why I mean it's for good reason i've I've run uh beagles for rabbits before, and then I've done mm-hmm. uh hound hunting for mountain lions. And it's so cool to see an animal like man's best friend, right? Used as a tool to help, like help you go and not even just recover game, like a retriever would, but actually Mm -hmm. to go and find it for you.
0: They uh, will run deer with dogs. some here too, uh, which is uh, pretty fun and I never really got into it till I married my wife and a lot of her family did it. It's definitely something that's more common with, mountain people and and people that live back in the mountains it's kind of like I said a culture of its own Um, and it's it's different sometimes you'll get one that just kind of walks by good ways ahead of the dogs and then you'll get them that are going Mach 10 trying to get away and there's no chance you can shoot them but it's pretty fun
1: yeah that's something I want to experience you know I I feel like it is a very mixed review on that for people who have never done it but it seems like it's pretty consistent like in the states that allow it for the most part people are cool with it you know you'll definitely get those people who are like man it drives me nuts when I'm sitting in my tree stand and all of a sudden a pack of dogs runs through and blows out the deer but um what is it like I guess the political side of it in in Virginia is do most people seem to be cool with it
0: uh most of the people i know are cool with it just because it it's such a big thing where we are and everybody's grown up around it um and i'm sure there's people out there that don't like it and i can see where I, they would kind of have negative feelings uh but for the most part every everybody understands what it is and, and it's pretty well accepted
1: yeah i'm i'm really curious like looking ahead toward the future for my kids and my kids kids what type of hunting opportunities are going to be out there. I'm not the doomsday guy where it's like, everything's disappearing. We're not going to be able to hunt anything ever again. But also I understand there's plenty of people that are out there trying to take away our ability to hunt certain things. And you're seeing that a lot in the Northwest right now,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. bear
1: hunting, um, becoming illegal or, you know, being taken off the table and trail cameras, like, there are states now where it's illegal to use trail cameras for any type of hunting purpose or information or scouting or anything like that. And so um, I feel like you've got some of those solid states where you're never going to lose it. Like Wisconsin, you're always going to be able to deer hunt, period. There's yeah 600,000 people that show up opening weekend with rifles or shotguns to chase after deer. It's not going to go anywhere.
0: I can't see it disappearing where we are there's there's too many people that would keep on hunting if it was illegal so I they won't do that
1: yeah that's uh that's something that I would hate to ever have to face but also I would I would have a very serious internal conflict if they did outlaw deer hunting like if they were like hey you can't deer hunt anymore I'd be like but yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can play by those rules. Like never deer hunt. It's one thing to regulate it. It's one thing to have smart practice with it and limit how many animals are harvested. But to completely do away with the hunt without any type of scientific or biological evidence, I, I feel like there'd be an uprising.
0: <laughs> I, I think the, the negative effects if you outlawed it would be too great, and they'd have to do something. So, I can't see it ever going away.
1: Yeah. What does is, what is this year look like for you as far as hunting goes? What's your next season coming up, or what's on the agenda? What's a priority for you? Uh, dove season's coming up here in a couple
0: weeks, and then uh, bow season comes in 1st of October. So uh, I used to bow hunt a lot more in high school. I haven't bow hunted as much um, as I've gotten older, just with life going on and, and things happening. But uh, I'd like to get back into it a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. And then always looking forward to taking people out with me, um, hunting. So that's kind of something I've gotten into lately is is trying to help people get their first deer. And so we'll see how that goes this year.
1: Yeah, that's sweet. Um, muzzleloader hunting is something that I've never gotten into. Uh, my dad had a muzzleloader I think for one year and then he realized he probably wasn't going to go out and hunt with it and he got rid of it, but obviously it extends the season here it's not necessarily a muzzleloader season they call it alternative firearm season and so mm-hmm. you can use a pistol you can use a muzzleloader you could use uh technically you can use like ar pistols even which is kind mm-hmm. of like the loophole that a lot of people are going with because you still have a pretty decent range you can fire them quickly or you can you know fo- have follow up shots that happen quick um but you know, you don't have to worry about reloading all the powder and the ball and everything.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I started that, I don't know, four or five years ago, got into muzzleloader hunting. And, uh, my dad had an old flintlock years ago and he would always tell horror stories about chasing a deer around all day after he shot it. He would never muzzleloader hunt again. Uh, but I got a, I have a CVA and, uh, it's, it's pretty wicked. It's, uh, like a 250 grain, 50 caliber bullet and it shoots one inch groups at a hundred yards. So Jeez. it does the job.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. How uh what's reload time on something like that? Like say you did shoot it and then it presented your presented you with another shot maybe out at 120. Uh, how quickly can you reload that and get another shot in?
0: Uh
1: 30 seconds. Um, Dang. so they make
0: powder powder pellets that are like pre-charged 50 grain charges. And I have tubes that you can prepackage everything in. So it's got the bullet and two bits, and you just take the cap off the tube and dump it down the barrel and then shove the bullet down with the ramrod and put another primer in and you're back in business.
1: Dang, man, that, that would be very interesting. Uh, when you're muzzleloader hunting, are you basically just still hunting or, or sorry, are you like sitting in a tree stand hunting?
0: Yeah, I'll do it both ways, um, just kind of depending on where I'm at. I took a, a with me, last we were cool, but I know him pretty good, and his dad asked me a couple of years ago if I would kind of help him get into it, and he he said he wanted to buy a muzzleloader, and his school gave him like a week off, and I told him, well, if you get one, you know, I'll gladly take you, because I'm going to be out there, And and we were out there one afternoon on this hardwood ridge that Uh, runs kind of east-west on the western side of a big mountain ridge. So it gets great afternoon sun, and the deer just bed up there. And it was 2.30 in the afternoon, and there was one coming up the ridge. We were sitting against this big tree that was wide enough both of us could sit there and not stick out either side. And he, he turned around to me, and he told me he heard something, and I thought I'd heard something too. And he peeked around the tree and looked back, and his eyes looked like golf balls. And he said, there's one right there. And I looked back and sure enough, like 20 yards up the ridge from us, there's a big old spike coming down. No clue. We were there. So I told him he got all the time in the world, just relax, and lean against a tree and make a good shot. And uh, he missed the first shot and the deer ran down the backside of the ridge and he turned to me and shaking like a leaf is an understatement. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he, he had a hard time reloading because he was shaking so bad, but he got it reloaded and we walked up the ridge to where the deer was and, It started walking back up the ridge towards us and unfortunately he missed again but
1: oh no it was that
0: was a wild afternoon
1: (laughs) yeah it sounds like it i uh i watched that meat eater episode i don't remember what state they went to but they went there for like the flintlock season or maybe it was a muzzleloader season and they were just using flintlocks but watching them just kind of struggle you know things get wet all of a sudden there's like a misfire or it, you know it doesn't fire when you go to hit or when you go to pull the trigger uh is it similar with muzzle loader or is, are those more fail proof than the flintlocks are
0: they're pretty pretty fail proof um, i mean I, as long as you got the flash hole clean so that you get a good ignition on your powder um it's usually no issues um and, uh, guys that do hunt a lot of times a bag or some saran wrap or something like that just to cover the end of the barrel so nothing goes the barrel but for the most part I've, I've never had a problem with any anything going off
1: yeah i uh that would also be one of those frustrating moments where you have a, a deer that you've been chasing for a while or had history with in in your sights and then all of a sudden it's like equipment malfunctions on you um, but it's interesting. Like, yeah. uh, I've seen, I've seen, uh, people that will tape the end of their barrel, you know, they put tape over it and then the bullet mm-hmm. just, or like the gas before the bullet, um, comes out the muzzle and pushes it the, tape push off. the tape off. Yeah. And so I was looking into that. Well, there's companies that basically make like muzzle condoms, it's like just a, little piece of rubber that goes on it i mean it looks like a mini condom and you can buy them in like 50 packs for when you're out hunting (laughs) uh i actually had it would have been great if i had something like that and i'm i'm very very glad that i didn't fire i don't know what would have happened and i don't want to know uh but i was elk hunting out in colorado and we had just got done for the day we got back to camp and i took my rifle i laid it in my tent the next morning I woke up and we were getting ready to go. So, you know, I put the magazine in, take the scope cover off. And I just happened to like, as I picked it up, uh, the the thread protector, or I guess it was a muzzle brake at that point, was right in front of my face. And I like, pull, I sweep the gun in front of me and I look and there is a stick sticking clean through the hole on one side into the other side. And apparently at some point, as we were cruising through the scrub brush, a stick had gotten lodged in there. And had I not seen that and like maybe pulled the trigger later on, who knows what would have happened.
0: That's not a good day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So at that point I was like, yeah, I might seriously consider getting some type of muzzle protector, um, whether it was tape or, you know, one of those gun condom deals and uh, make it happen.
0: I've thought about taping my barrel, especially like that, Uh, like going through the brush or something like that i always kind of keep an eye on that kind of thing but i've definitely thought about doing it just never have
1: yeah i know you had mentioned uh you'd like to get out west and do an elk hunt is that top of your bucket list or what is i'll ask it this way if you could hunt anything any species anywhere with any weapon what would it be
0: it would probably be elk somewhere in the Rockies. I don't particularly know what state not I don't know that I know enough to care one way or the other yet, but definitely elk with a rifle um would be top of the bucket list
1: nice yeah it's I'm telling you it's a ton of fun, and the nice thing is people a lot of people don't understand how accessible it is, like mhm there are states where you've got you know 30 to 40 percent of the state is over-the-counter tags you know there's some trophy units that you have to draw for or put in points for but there's some there's some states where you can just go to walmart on your drive-in and buy a license and go out and chase after elk yeah that's uh i I got a buddy here that
0: i grew up with and i know he's done some some stuff like that and i don't keep in touch with him that much anymore but it's something I've thought about. I just don't have the time to, to do it right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the tough part, especially as you get farther. I mean, you're, I don't even know how many hours northeast of me. And so I'm sure it's gotta be a 20 plus hour drive for you to get out to like the Rocky mountain range. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a big commitment. I mean, obviously it takes time to get out there and then the hunt itself takes time, but you want to know where you're at. And so, doing the scouting thing beforehand it can yeah. add up pretty quickly but i would highly recommend it once you do find some time or have an opening in your schedule try to plan a trip for october and get out there
0: yeah i'll i'll make it happen one day
1: do you have any uh local hunts or bordering state hunts that you're wanting to you're wanting to do or uh are you just going to kind of stick with I mean, if I had 1,100 acres of private land, it would be hard for me to travel anywhere else close to hunt, but uh, are there other hunting opportunities close to home that you're thinking about pursuing or trying out?
0: Not really. Um, uh, It's kind of a sportsman's paradise right here close to home, and we live five minutes from the farm, so it's nice to be able to get up and be in a tree stand within half an hour, so it's uh when I got that right here I'm not too worried about looking looking
1: elsewhere yeah that makes sense man it sounds great I want to I want to check out Virginia I hear a lot of good things about I mean Tennessee all the way up to to Maine like that whole Mm -hmm. area uh the Appalachian Mountains like it just seems like a cool place and you think you think wilderness a lot of people think out west but like the mountain ranges that you guys have are insane. When I see people like posting videos and pictures from hunts out there, I'm like, everyone's looking too far west. They need to start looking back the other way. yeah, it's definitely
0: mountainous. Um, and I probably hunted more mountains when we were public land turkey hunting as a kid than I do now, but I can remember one morning turkey hunting and and here, spring gobbler, you can, you can hunt sunrise till noon. And we chased a gobbler up through the mountains and at 1150, we realized we were like five miles from the truck, according to the GPS. Jeez. <laughs> so we had to walk that back. Uh, but yeah, you can definitely get back in some pretty
1: places. Yeah. That sounds awesome, man. I would, it, it's definitely the hunts out East are definitely things that I'm going to start looking towards in the future applying for elk tags in some of the states that are opening up right now, like Kentucky, I think has opportunities Mm -hmm. open to the, or open to non-residents, same with Pennsylvania. I honestly don't know the list out there, but I know that the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is doing amazing work all over the country and doing reintroduction projects. And so I, I firmly believe that within my lifetime, we're going to see several dozen states that have active open, elk seasons
0: oh yeah it's just a matter of time and like you said they're already putting the work in i know kentucky's got one i think uh eastern tennessee has something um northeast tennessee is kind of right there in the appalachian mountain chain they've got elk there and then uh, the southwest portion of virginia where they've introduced an elk herd is is right there in that same mountain chain so it's all in that kind of general area so uh, it's just a matter of time before that expands even more but yeah, I I think it'll turn into something something pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's Man, it's a dream. Eventually, we're going to have like a I don't, I don't know if there's like an elk grand slam or not, like they have with turkeys and and deer species and stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that at some point there's going to be like some crazy big elk grand slam or world slam or super slam where you can hunt, you know, 20 or elk in 20 different states and there's going to be people who are out to do it right out of the gate, which I mean, oh yeah, trust me. If I could get tags for every state, I'd be taking all fall chasing after bugles because it's absolutely a totally different <laughs> ball game, for sure. Well, man, I appreciate you hopping on, and uh, like I said, I just love talking to other hunters, people who have kind of a different experience. Oh, one thing I didn't ask you that I was going to. You had mentioned, uh, you've got your hardwood ridges that you hunt Mm -hmm. and you've got your, uh, crop fields or ag fields. What is your go-to? Like if you, if you had good weather, uh, for hunting, like a cold fronts coming in, big temperature drop, um, what would you pick in your area? Are you hunting the edge or are you hunting one of those ridges? That's a tough one, because uh, I've been
0: pretty successful on on both really um, and it would kind of depend on what my what I'd experienced prior to that, I guess I should say um, is i if if I'm not seeing them in one area, generally i'm gonna go go somewhere else till I can find them because they're there somewhere, so it would kind of have I'd probably play it by ear and make my decision based on what the last couple of weeks have been looking like. Um, uh, if it was late in the season, I would say definitely hardwoods cause all the ag fields are going to be cut and they're going to be looking for acorns or last, whatever they can. So definitely late season, I'd say hardwoods. Um, if there's still standing crops somewhere, I'd probably find a crop field.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense with the, I mean, just the most recent scouting or Intel that you've gotten, you know, where you've been seeing them, obviously that has has a lot more weight than any other factor out there. Because if you're seeing them consistently coming out into a field or you're seeing them consistently cruising a ridge, like, well, you got to kind of go where they're telling you they're at. Mm -hmm. Well, sweet, man. I, like I said, I appreciate you hopping on. I know we're getting close to an hour. Um, Before we hop off, I want to give you an opportunity to share where people can find you, where they can follow along and uh, just kind of track how your season's going.
0: Yeah. Uh, Instagram is probably the best place. I don't post a ton, but that would be where I post anything. Um, probably more so stories than anything else. But uh, the Instagram is my name, Cole, uh, C O L E underscore Bitler, B I T L E R. Uh, uh, it's where I'll post anything that exciting that goes on.
1: Nice, man. Well, if you're ever looking at branching out to other, you know, Midwestern states or somewhere a little closer to home than, Then the Rocky Mountains hit me up. We've got some pretty awesome deer here, a lot of cool hunting opportunities. Um, Yeah, I feel like as I talk to people, everyone, I guess when you grow up somewhere, when you get used to all the hunting opportunities, they're like, man, it's a sportsman's paradise. I say that all the time about my home state of Wisconsin. Now that I'm in Missouri, I say the same thing. And it's just cool to see how many different opportunities each state has to offer. Yeah, it's, it's
0: definitely... I think it's cool seeing how different states hunt it too. So if you ever want to come, let's see what Virginia's all about, shoot me a message and we'll make something happen cuz it's
1: definitely a good time. Man, I'll come up and uh you can teach me how to muzzleloader hunt. That sounds fun. I don't know why ever since I saw that episode I'm like it adds it it definitely adds another challenge to it. But Oh yeah. That's insane. Uh I'll I'll be picking your brain also a little bit more about that model that you have cuz a one inch group at a hundred yards with the muzzle loader. I can't imagine that that's very common.
0: I it's uh, it was what they advertised and i got one to see and it's been the real deal. Um, I think it's a CVA Acura. Okay. Uh, it's, it's got a Bergara barrel, which is kind of their claim to fame on that model, which yeah, is pretty sweet. Say,
1: I've been, I did a lot of research on Bergara's. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was looking for a new elk hunting rifle and that was mm-hmm. a top contender. Um but yeah, Bergara is definitely making making a name for themselves in the outdoor world right now.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a sweet shooter. I definitely definitely am happy with that purchase.
1: Yeah. Uh well dude, yeah, we'll stay in touch and maybe we'll just have to do a hunt swap one of these years. You come down Sounds here good and I come up there and and we'll see if we can branch out and get extra deer. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks. Have a good one. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. It was a ton of fun chatting with Cole and hearing all about what Virginia has to offer. That is one of the many states that are still on my list to go and hunt. I see big bucks coming out of there all the time, but to hear about the variety of game animals that you can go out to Virginia and chase after, I mean, especially on that one property. Deer, bear, turkey, dove, that right there is everything that I need. (laughs) Um, But good luck to Cole this season. Hopefully he tags out on some of the bucks that he's chasing after. It sounds like he's got a great chance to do it. And hopefully you guys are gearing up. Food plots should be in or in like this week at least. And tree stands, I'm sure, are getting hung up all over the place bows are getting pulled out dusted off and sighted in hopefully you're a little bit more prepared than that but it is it's coming up i mean i can't wait to start seeing progress pictures or success pictures from people going out in the early season i think those hot days kind of sucks but it's totally worth it anyways you're gonna get covered in chiggers and ticks and poison ivy and probably be sunburned by the end of a full day sit But I would do it every day if it means I get to hunt. Hopefully you guys are the same way. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.